the way you work it. No diggity. I thought to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Western Herald Sports Podcast. It is April 20th, 2016. We are coming at you straight out of the James P. Hickey Audio Lab. And not only are we celebrating happy holidays for Josh Gordon on 420, we have a very special guest with us in studio today. It is Chris Sly, the one and only Sly Diggity, Director of Student Activities and Leadership Programs. What's going on, Chris? Hey, I'm really excited to have you guys let me in the booth today. I'm um, just excited for the opportunity to uh, just talk some sports with you guys so i've been listening to you guys all all season and i really appreciate the opportunity to kind of meet my twitter crushes uh <laughs> twitter right. crushes. i'm, I'm right flattered <laughs> brennan you said uh happy uh, holidays to josh gordon yeah it's, it's are, you, jo- are you delivering tonight am i delivering tonight no <laughs> no just, two fellows are running a very very big special tonight but i am not going to be involved yeah, with that two fellows all day today listen to this totally baked for 420 and after 4:20, Mac bites only 4:20. <laughs> Dude, Josh Gordon is on a plane headed to Kalamazoo right now. He's ready to show down. <laughs> as soon as he steps off, the NFL is like, uh, "Can you uh, pee test for us, real quick?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, before you get off that plane. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, we got a full docket lined up for you today. We're talking a little bit of Lions scheduling. We're talking about are the Lions really marketable anymore, and uh, talking a little bit about the NFL no, they draft aren't. that's coming. No, they out. aren't. Yeah, Jarrett's got a strong opinion on that one. So we'll start real quick with the Lions schedule. It was actually released last week. It looks like the Lions are going up against the AFC South, NFC North, as always, the NFC East, and throwing a little bit of the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints in there. What do you think about that, guys? The schedule is cheddar. So easy. Ten games versus teams with a losing or below 500 record, or at 500. And last season, overall record for those teams, 119 and 137. Complete change from last year when they had the hardest schedule, one of the hardest schedules. So I think it's easy. Only three outdoor games all season. Yeah, I noticed the last leg of the season, the only outdoor game that we're going to have is in New York against the Giants. I know that's kind of, it's a little bit of a game changer for teams, especially the Lions who have kind of historically struggled with those outdoor games in the last leg of the season in cold stadiums like Chicago and Green Bay. How do you think that's really going to affect the Lions in the last leg of the season, Chris? You know, I think that's uh, a good point as far as can they finish strong. And so I think, the yeah, the schedule being a lot easier. We were, what, third, fourth hardest last yeah. year, going to third easiest this year. I think, you know, we were talking pre-show or whatever. The Lions are hungry. There's a lot of players with some stuff to prove, you know, looking at it. The NFC East is a mess, so with finishing up with at Giants, at Cowboys, and, and then home for Packers, you know, that, that home for Packers is probably going to, should have the NFC North title game on the line, so they're, they're going to have the motivation to finish here. Here's the thing I was looking at. I was trying to go through, like, win or loss, just a like quick win or loss. The last seven games, I had them winning the last seven games. And then my logic was like the Lions can't win seven games in a row <laughs> to end the season. And then logic stepped in. Because <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, the week before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving they play, they host the Minnesota Vikings, then at New Orleans versus Chicago, at New York, at Dallas, hosting Green Bay. And I had them splitting their division games. So those are both those two division games at the end are both home games. Do you got do you got the Lions beating the Packers away in week three or no. home in seventeen? Home. That's what I'm saying. Home. The last I had them winning the last seven games. And that's when I was like, no, this can't happen. So I don't know. I really don't know. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, this team wants to make the playoffs, right? We want to win a playoff game. Yeah. And so I think with that of uh, the easiest way to do that is win your division. You don't worry about the wild card, win your division. And so I like you said that if we can split, I think the Bears, you know, did they get better or not? And so I think that we're still better than the Bears. The Vikings are coming up. So we they have were to a surprise them. team last yeah, year. Yeah, they were a surprise team, and I don't think that they've gotten worse. Uh, the Packers are the Packers until they're not 
the Packers, and so until they're the Rogerless Packers, right? Ex- exactly. And so I think with that, if we can control, look at those divisional games, and um, the schedule can hopefully allow for us to, to take care of business. What we should win at the Bears, we should win. We should win both with the Bears. Um, if we split with the Vikings, um, and then it's really, I think it's just going to come down to the Packers. I think we'll have to revisit the schedule after the draft. Absolutely. I'm really excited about the schedule. It's in the favor of the Lions completely. See, completely. I, th- I think opening up that season, I mean, it's the it's at Colts versus Titans at home, at Packers, at Bears. I think those first four games are going to be the def- what defines a team. Because this year we saw, and I'll just say it, we saw crap Lions in the first four to six games. But that wasn't the defining team that we saw in the second leg of the season once JBC took over. <laughs> Jim <and> Bob Gooder. <laughs> Once we saw him take over, and, you know, the Packers, at the Packers, we know we can beat them in Lambeau now. We know that. And it's going to be a warmer game in October. Jordy Nelson's going to be coming off that ACL injury, and I don't think he's going to be Jordy, Adrian Peterson, Nelson out on the field coming back from a torn ACL in Week 3. See, I I disagree with that. It's that important to start quick because, like, the Colts are a good team. Titans should be a win. Packers are a good team. Bears, we don't know what we're getting. And then look who they play after that. Eagles, Rams, Redskins, All Texans. Home. All at home, other than the Texans. So even if you get to a, a one and three start, I'm not I'm not really and worried. And that's the thing, though, is the media, will they – Jim Caldwell's on the hot seat. And so can we go one and three and not have everybody, like, you know, fire and fight panic and freak <laughs> out? Right, because you're right. The schedule does get a lot easier, you know, during that run that you just talked about. Don't sleep on the Texans, though, because they're a team that's coming up and mm-hmm. – um, you know DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, you know they got a little running back thing to sit, figure out. But that the, the Texans will be a tougher game on the road. But again, I think you're right, Jared. Is if we don't panic, if we go one and three, we're still okay because because of the way we finish, like you said, that set, you know towards the end we we could we could run it run it towards the end. Mm-hmm. Because last year they started with a West Coast trip to San Diego. Should have had that game though. Yep. <laughs> go ahead. Then yeah. first the Broncos, Seahawks, and Cardinals. That was such a hard start of the exactly. schedule. And then Bears, Vikings, and Chiefs. But what I'm Packers. saying now is this is a very crucial time to get on the top of the NFC North with a win against the Packers and the Bears away and just get those away games because then they'll come to our house later in the season. You get those off your chest and you're yeah. done with those two NFC North wins. An awesome start for the Lions. It'll give them a confidence morale boost. Stay healthy. I think it's going to take a while for this team to get gelled, though. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree, a too. Completely different team than last year. Which is good. I'm okay with that. I, I agree. But it, agree. I mean, you saw the Texans last year. As you just said, the Texans are a growing team. Last year, you know, they switched up the whole game. They had a quarterback problem. They added Vince Wilfork to the defensive line. Their wide receiving core was a whole new look. And we thought they were going to be great, and they came out and, you know, But I think that was egg. partly because of how weak that division was. Yeah. And we're lucky, lucky enough to play that division this year. So, <laughs> And keep in mind with the Colts still, too, because Luck's, you know, going to be back and should be healthy. healthy. Yeah, so I think. You're right. That division was a it was a hot mess, but the, yeah. the, the Colts and Texans should be on the up from last year. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll revisit that after the draft, but moving into. Yeah, there's there's a big thing that Jarrett and I wanted to talk about, and we kind of brought up with it yesterday. After looking at the schedule, see, I, now I, I think this is a pro. This is a con to a lot of people, but I think this is a pro. The Lions only have two primetime games this year. One of them is being on Thanksgiving, November 24th at 1230. That's the Vikings at home. And then at the end of the season, we're going to be able to play Dallas in Dallas on December 26th at 8.30 at night. That's going to be an ESPN game. Um, We only have two primetime games. That's not a huge accolade for the Detroit Lions, but at the same time, I don't think we really deserve it after last year. So that kind of poses the question, are the Detroit Lions a marketable team to networks and programs like NFL Network, CBS, Fox, whatever it may be, to actually throw them on a night game and actually get viewers? No. I I don't even think it's a not being rewarded for last year's 
performance because Philadelphia Eagles play week two Monday Night Football. I don't I can't remember, I can't remember off the top of my head who's playing week one in the Monday Night Football slot, but it's not that good. And I think it's because the Lions just aren't aren't marketable. Who try to think off the top of your name a superstar from their team besides Ziggy Ansah, and you can say Matt Stafford, who is a household name that people would know. I think Golden Tate maybe, but you could flip a coin on that. Who was a a slot guy in for the Seahawks. So I'm yeah. saying there's just so we lost Sue, who was the bad boy, who was marketable. Kelvin Johnson made Stafford marketable, and then Kelvin Johnson was a household name. They, just, they don't have these guys anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the only way that the Lions become marketable in the national conversation is to win, and that's the only way. Is you know, it's the upstart Lions. Is this the year? You know, they, they'll start. You know, the ghosts and the Rafters will start haunting. As far as you know, is this the year they make the playoffs and actually win? The Bobby a game? Lane, yeah, come yeah, hang around. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So you know, I think. Uh, yeah, well, I think you guys are right. It's a really good question, but I think the only way that they become relevant in the national conversation is that they got to win. See, now to retort something like this, I think last year we had a ton of primetime games. We were always, and that was awful because having a guy that has Sundays off and works Monday through Saturday, <laughs> you can't watch your hometown boys. And that was, that, like, it, it's no fun. Um, I like not having primetime games, but I would agree that they're not as marketable to networks. I think, like you said, CJ's gone. That was our last standing hope and our last you know, glimmer of light that was going to put them on a, a national spotlight. Now, without that, we are just the regular bad boy Detroit Lions. Do you think there's teams that are, besides Cleveland, who are least, like, less marketable? Jaguars. Do you really think so, though? Oh, yeah. yeah. Bortles? I mean, my pers- I thought that, too. My perspective is this is moving towards a fantasy football league. So you're gonna, if you're playing fantasy football, who does the, who do the Jaguars have? Alan Hearns, who was on every fantasy football team. Robinson, right. Alan Robinson, TJ Yeldon, Blake Bortles. So you have guys that people want to watch. Yeah. Like, think about that for the Lions. Like, well, I mean, th- Theo th- Riddick? Uh, no, I mean, you're going to have Theo Riddick. Golden Tate's going to be owned in 99.5% of leagues, just like he always is. Then you're going to have Marvin Jones, who's out who there. Who was our third guy last year. That's not, so you just right. don't know, but. You're going to, Stafford's going to throw the rock, so you know he's going to. He's he's gonna he could be your starting QB. Yeah, could. So what about the Lions? Say you you live in Florida. What's gonna make you want to tune in to a Monday Night Football <laughs> game? Whoever they're playing, featuring the Lions. What part of the Lions makes them interesting? I, I really couldn't. I wanted to. Cause I think they're gonna have a good season, but I just couldn't think of anything that made them marketable anymore. I think you're really gonna see this year, and that goes back to the Stafford comment. Now that Stafford is no longer handicapped by having a Kelvin Johnson on the field, that this is going to be the final year that you're going to say, do we keep Stafford for a franchise quarterback or do we move on? And Bob Quinn has already made it very clear that he's drafting a quarterback this year. I love it when I heard this, the line that he said. He said, you need to draft a quarterback every year because if yeah. you're not, that's bad business. Yeah. And I think it's, again, it's the, the, the search for Tom Brady, mm-hmm. you know, the six-round pick that, you know, gets a chance off an of injury, you know, and then is, you know, great, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. So I think you're right, you know. This is a, a make-or-break year for Stafford. For sure. So the Lions look like somewhat of a marketable team, but I think we kind of came to the conclusion of that. Now, with, with I mean, we have what? It's a week? It's about a week and two days yeah. since the draft. So about nine days until the NFL draft. Every year it's always something interesting. They're going to go one round on the first night. That's about as far as I'm going to watch. And that then is I'll go so annoying. On it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's some people who love the NFL draft, and I respect the hell out of that. But I was watching the uh... – the WNBA draft, because I was waiting for a show to come on. Wow. And their draft picks are like four minutes. They have four minutes on the wow. clock. It uh-huh. was great. Yeah. It was like moving right Clipping through. Clipping through. And How many teams are in that league now? Do you know? By I'm chance? not even sure, but it was okay. It was fast. 
Because I would think they need some time because it went from 15 to 10 in the NFL. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm sure the phones are ringing and they're trying to make deals and stuff like that. So it is a more uh, consumable way to watch it when there's a quicker draft. But I'm wondering if does that put too much pressure in those war rooms to, you know, make those deals and make it's those un- trades It's unreal stuff. how long the first round lasted last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it starts at what, like 8 o'clock? I remember because I live tweeted the whole draft last year. The and I was up to like late. 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they drafted like 20, what, yeah. 23, mm-hmm. they dropped to Denver. And then, you know, and Manny Ramirez is gone, so that that didn't really matter last year. And Lake and Tomlinson has been a dud. Yeah, they picked up a fifth-round pick in that deal. Yeah. But um, I I got a question for you guys, though, if it's all right. Yeah, uh, for sure. So the Lions, do they draft on need or best available? See, this is what my argument, we were just talking about this before. I think if Derrick Henry's there, you draft him. Mm-hmm. But you guys are saying that that's too high. So if we can move back and somehow get Derrick Henry, I think that would – I just think he's the best running back in the in the draft. And his size alone – they need a power guy. They need a power back, and he's unreal. But other than that, you draft on need. You have to because the needs the Lions have on the defensive line and the offensive line are are important. So what do you think, Brendan? I'm going to say, looking from the way that Quinn has conducted himself to the media and the way that he's shaped this organization already in the first three to four months, he is not going to draft on the best available. He's going to draft strictly on what the Detroit Lions need, and I think that's the type of person he is because this free agency signings that he's made isn't the best on the market. Marvin Jones was not the best on the market. He was good, and it's something that we needed, so we signed him. I mean, you're looking at the offensive line that he signed and the defensive ends and tackles and secondary, and, you know, it's it's not big names. They're all the small free agency guys that you're going to throw $800,000 at for a year, but we need them. Yeah, if you look at need and look at the Patriots, how they draft, they'll move back. They'll mm-hmm. happily move back to not reach for guys that they – for needs. So yeah. I think you can see the Lions mm-hmm. doing that. And that's what I love is that we don't – as long as it's not a reach – so whether it's either or, I think you guys are both right. It's about need, but if it's it's just not about reaching. And so I think the uh, I'm not too excited about this draft uh, as far as talent wise. But I think if the best available is in the trenches, so on the D or offensive line, which is need, that's what you have to do. See this draft, I don't think there's any s- real stars, but I think it's really deep. There's a lot of continuity between. So you're thinking the later rounds you can yes, find some value. Can, yes. I See, think. but what shocks me the most is that the way that they're conducting these 32 teams are conducting themselves over this draft is, like, the best players are in the top five, and that's all you need. I mean, you had the, the trade go on between Los Angeles and Tennessee. You have people trying to grab Cleveland Browns. You have Philadelphia and Miami switching around. People are just rushing for those top five positions, and it's it's teams that need a quarterback, and they're they're rushing for Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. I don't think anything special neither do i i don't think there's there's any positive outlook to those guys you're gonna give all that up for andrew luck this is yeah i would do that for andrew luck wentz and golf are not andrew Andrew luck Luck. yeah or not right where is andrew luck or maybe even rg3 with all the hype he had yeah you know in the success in his rookie year yeah it's it's been a struggle since i would have been waited for connor cook waited for like he i think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in this who has completely been covered by the shadows for the past three he's not a good leader and he does get happy feet in the pocket and and like is inaccurate but you can work on that i mean look at what los angeles gave up 15 43 45 76 and in 2017 their first and third round their next two years are shot. If they don't make a good pick on this first pick, the, you can consider Los Angeles a deadbeat team for the next two to three if years. They've got a hit. There's so much pressure. You're right. On that guy, then that guy knows that coming in. They've yeah. got a hit, a home run on this. How much did they benefit from that RG3 trade where they traded back at uh, the Redskins? The, the Rams benefited Yeah, immensely. the Rams benefited from that completely. So you think they would have learned? <laughs> from their mistake. No, from their, their, their benefit. 
the well, Redskins' No, from the mistake. Skins' benefit, yeah. yeah. No, it was from the Rams' benefit. The Rams' benefit. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm saying they should have learned from exactly. what, what happened to the team that they traded so why, with. Yeah, why would, why you would we that? put ourselves in that position? <laughs> I, it's stupid, in my opinion. But So, Goffer Wentz, can I ask that? Which one, you know, you're in that spot now. Where, where do you go? Wentz. See, honestly, I, I haven't seen a whole lot that I like from either of the guys, but I'll, I'd say Wentz first. He seems to be the lead guy. Well, Wentz was because he was from South Dakota State. Yeah. And then Goff was from Cal, was West Coast games. But I was watching the Gruden's camp. This made me made me laugh. He's never talked to Aaron Rodgers from the same college. Well, They've never same, talked. Yeah. Same position, same college, never talked once. Mistake. Huge mistake. How do you not? You have every legacy <laughs> that you could reach out to this guy. He was recruited by the coach that coached Aaron Rodgers, too. Wow. And you know Aaron Rodgers would get down and, I don't you know, know. I think he's. I, no, he's, I think so. I think it, especially from the same uh, same college. That just shocked me, how you cannot even talk to probably one of the best quarterbacks from our The number our one time. name. Right. <laughs> so, Angel, you know, playing a little Angels advocate, though. So, Wentz, you know, what did, what did he say to those that, well, he didn't play the, the caliber of talent? You know, or yeah, I guess on that, you know, he's not playing the same type of talent. Go watch his, go watch his film. And see the film. Go to he the reminds you of Carson Palmer. Same build, same even how the way he holds a football. Which is proof that's a guy that's gonna last you for a long time. Yes. Long time in the league. As long as you keep him healthy, which Carson Palmer has been hurt multiple times and came back. So all these D one coaches just missed on him then and that's or did he grow into that towards the end? Uh, I'd probably attribute it more towards coaching as well. Of good coaching. I mean, okay. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't – he would be playing for uh, an SEC or a Big Ten, you know, real big-name college and would be leading coming out of this draft as this is the guy you need. He'd have more hype. Yeah, I miss if he came out of high North school. Dakota State that he played for, and they're yeah. a powerhouse. I, as a Grand Valley fan, I know that. You're right. Yeah, and they produced, <laughs> they produced um, Zach Zenner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they produced talent. That's true. I like that. That's a they're counter. big boys up there, It's too. a good program. That's I think that's the counter. All that. corn-fed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you were you were talking about Grand Valley. One guy I like for the Lions, a steal, Matt Judon. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this guy. He's six foot three, two seventy five, ran a four seven, uh, benched two twenty five thirty times. Jesus. <laughs> he's a physical he's, freak. He's an animal. <laughs> and he had a thirty five inch vertical. So yes, yeah, statistically and on a sheet, this guy looks like he's a phenom. And he, I watched his film too. He was just mauling everyone. That's Division two though. So I really couldn't get a good projection, but Grand Valley's produced some some solid pros. So that was one guy that really caught my attention as like a steal. Yeah. But I think they need a D-end, obviously. So what do you think they're going to go first round? Let's just put it down on the, on the line. What position are they going to go first round, regardless of availability? I think defensive end. Yeah, I, I like uh, Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson, thank you. Give it up. <laughs> they <laughs> They've been Kevin... talking highly about him for the yeah. past four they had or five Kevin days. Dodd as a possible. As he, a po- yeah. He had one good game. In the national championship from Clemson he's, too. He's the Robin to Shaq's Batman, like yeah. all of the double teams and stuff, like all the attention on Shaq. I, I would just, imagine. Like, sorry, I'm geeking out now. But Shaq, <laughs> Shaq and Ziggy, like just. No, I, guess I mean, the you names, want to talk about marketability? The just and then you get into the marketability. Now you got Shaq and Ziggy. Like you don't. I mean, that's you know Detroit style football. Like you know that's that's where it's at. That's like, true. Yeah. Shaq and Ziggy. I just oh, that would be something. Sorry, he's a he's a junkyard dog. He just. He's not – nothing about him is like, wow. He's not a JV and Clowney type freak athletically, or, but he just – Yeah, a lot of the mocks that I saw don't have him uh, – he's gone before then. I don't – I wouldn't – again, I don't, wouldn't want to reach for it. But if he's there, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer on that. Yeah. What about offensive tackle? 
You guys are talking about some stuff, some names. See, I like Jack too, Jack Conklin. I'm a big offensive tackle, and I've made that clear for the past couple of weeks. That I've I love offensive linemen play, and I love watching the way tackles conduct themselves, and that's why I was big on the Jeff Schwartz signing. If we got Jack Conklin, I would call the draft already a success. Yeah, you need or um, Taylor Decker too from Ohio State. Yeah, he's another Conklin shut down Joey Bosa in that game, mm-hmm. and he's a top five projected pick. Shut him down. The one thing they talked about Taylor Decker that I'm not too hot on is that he he has the Lake and Tomlinson effect where he'll stand up yeah. and he'll pop up and he'll play rather than playing down in the trenches he'll play up high in the air and that's that and we've seen that off Lake and Tomlinson he takes forever to get up off the line because he stands straight up and then as he's backing up in pass defense you, you can't he's you know beat. you bulldoze <laughs> over him you swim move over him and you know he's done and we don't need to train another guy like that we already have work on Tomlinson but Jack Conklin has already proven he can work his way to the top. He was a walk-on yeah. Michigan State. And piggybacking off Michigan State, I think she'll He's be- playing well, right? Jack Conklin. Who's who's playing well? Yeah. I'm playing well. Yeah, Jack. it's Conklin, right? Jack, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And piggybacking off of that, Shalik Calhoun, I think, mm-hmm. would be a good pick at defensive end. He reminds me of, of Shaq. Um, linebacker, too, I think. We, we'd really need a linebacker, in my opinion. You have two unproven guys there. Some guy that's names that's popped up as well as, like, Jerron Reed. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, Jerron Reed from Clemson, who's kind of like the guy that's right there with, or no, Jerron Reed from Alabama, Sheldon Rankins from Louisville. Um, I mean, I mean they've popped up, and then defensive what, what t- uh, Sean Robinson from Alabama as well. What position were you just talking about? We're ta- that's all D-end, A. Okay. Sean Robinson's a tackle. but And then Reggie Ragland from Alabama yeah, at so. a linebacker position. They need a lot. What oh, yeah. Wide receiver with uh, Megatron heading out. Do we, uh, we were talking a little bit, you know, is Treadwell really, Laquan Treadwell, is he really somebody that we... No, I wouldn't reach for him. I was looking at going basic, just off of who was tall, and those, the receivers. Kairos Garrett from Tulsa, six foot three, ran a 4'4", 36-inch vertical, has kind of small hands, but he was one of the top receivers in the nation last reach, year. reach, yeah. But he's, he's big. They need, the tallest guy in the roster right now is 6'2", and that's TJ Jones or Fuller. I haven't looked recently. Where's Doxson said to go? He's, he's he high, but he's higher. Kind of, he's short, yeah. Yeah. Well, I he's the second. He's the second wide receiver coming off the board, and that was my thing: is the gap between Treadwell and Dotson. Is there, you know, again looking at tape and combine or all this, all those stats or different things like that? Is there really big of that big of a gap? It's deep. It's deep. This is a deep receiver class too. This whole draft is, it's deep. It's yeah. Nobody's the star. It's just it keeps going. It'll it, go to like third. So that's or four. the thing is you can be patient then, right? Yeah. Because then you get into the Broncos and things like that. You know, Braverman. You know, different things like that. There's value later on that you can still find that guys that can contribute. And so and I hate I I'm sound like a Michigan State homer because I am, but um, Aaron Burbridge. Burbridge, yeah, yeah. He's a baller. Michigan State receivers have had success in the past. Michigan, Michigan State, State period has had yes. success in the past. Benny Fowler caught the two point conversion to to win the game for the Broncos. So even Roger Lewis from Bowling Green, well, we mm-hmm. like we watched him in person. Yep, unreal. He's only a sophomore. Daniel Braverman, he's a yeah. To, to segue in that, because Chris brought it up, I do want to see what your guys' opinion is. Because right, we did ran a poll, and I'll bring it up right now on Twitter. Um, basically talking about where is Willie Beavers and Daniel Braverman going to go. I want to see what your guys' opinion is. You know, wh- when are they going to hear their name called? I think right now Beavers is the front runner as to like when he's going to get his name called ahead of Braverman. I think that's specifically just because of need in the NFL and the saturation of wide receivers. But right now, uh, it looks like we ran a poll on a tour with 20 votes. Daniel Braverman, 55% of people think he's going to go in the fourth, 40% the second or third, and 5% of the first. Um, and then I hate people like that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah it's his mom. <laughs> or himself. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm going to the first. 
Um, looking at Willie Beavers, 22% of people think he's going in four plus, and 78% of people say he's going in the second or third. I would say second or third. For Beavers, what about Braverman? Probably fourth, you, fourth or fifth. Now, but, do you think he improved? Because I remember when we talked at the end of the season, you think he was going to go undrafted and get just yeah, get picked up. Yeah, he's improved. Up. Yeah. So his draft stock is somewhat better. The more I just, the more you watch his his film, like the stuff he did, I, I've never seen it before. His vision on the field is mm-hmm. he can mm-hmm. see guys coming from spots you should not be able to see them. <laughs> he knows the game. He feels the game. It's, it, just, yeah. it's, it's weird. And that's what they've they've said about like Drew Brees. He's undersized for the core, like the quarterback mm-hmm. position, but he can see the entire field in his head. He knows right where to put it. I think that's how Braverman is. He just has this instinct, and that's something you can't teach. He's, he's quick. I like that, you know, you know, I don't know the technicalities of, you know, his ability to get in and out of a route or his feet, his footwork. But when he gets the ball, he's a playmaker. He's he's a possession receiver is how I see it. You know, as far as, you know, he's, you know, your next Wes Welker. You know, if he can catch the ball in, into space a little bit um, underneath routes, if you got somebody that's uh, speedy over the top to create space, you know, where you've got a, a, a safety is really going to have to make a decision, mm-hmm. you know, of who to. Who to you know who to give support to with the corner if the corner's on alone on an island on the outside like or Braverman's gonna what's that Julian yeah like Edelman or Julian Edelman time. you're right he's good he's you know he's that he's got room in this in the in, in the seam or in the slot so to speak to, to really do some damage and they say he's too small and could get, could get injured how do you hit someone you can't get a good like <laughs> can't solid touch, you cannot touch him he never takes a full <laughs> hit. It's unreal. He all it is always a foot tackle. Somebody's got to wrap him up at the feet. He's never taken these crackback hits that are just like knocking a guy on you know his back. There's a play against Michigan State. He makes the same two guys just the mm-hmm. same move motion because they they miss so bad. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. He's electric just to see yeah. the playmaking ability that he's able to do. And I'm sad I only got to see him for a year. Yeah, I like wish I, he would have stayed, but I, I think he's got good counsel because, you know, I would say it looks like from what I'm seeing, probably fourth round as well. Anything later, like a seventh round, I'm like, you could have stayed one more year and tried to improve your draft style. He's yeah, overshadowed really. by Corey Davis the entire time, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. which I think is going to hurt him, but will actually help him in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Jumping into a different topic, we were talking a little bit prior to the podcast about Johnny Manziel and what's going on with him. It's been dropped by Drew Rosenhaus's agent. Uh, this is his second agent in the past year. Actually, I think in the off season, he's actually been taken off of the Nike promotions. And we were talking a little bit about how social media changed in the past couple of years and how it's changed reporting. And I think that's something that Chris is really going to be able to weigh in on. So I'll turn it over to him to talk about. First of all, like what I asked initially when I asked Chris right. was, "Have you ever seen a player?" like Johnny Manziel, thinking back to when you were around our age, and you responded with, I th- like, what was your reasoning behind why you, you haven't seen someone like this? Yeah, and I, I think, again, is, is that, that stuff was probably going on, you know, but we you didn't have social media. You didn't have that – you weren't in that spotlight. And so, um, you know, you think about Wilt Chamberlain even before me, so I'm not that old, but going back before me was Wilt Chamberlain. You know, he writes a book about sleeping with 20,000 women. You know, none of that – you know, was coming out, you know, at that time. And, you know, he probably would have been, he definitely, I would say, would be viewed in a different light if that was happening now. Um, you know, just, you, d- you just didn't really see that. You know, my generation really for me was, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime, you know, be like Mike, you know, be like Mike. Like that was the messaging, like drink Gatorade, but be like Mike, you know, mm-hmm. you know, jump man with the shoes, you know. Um, you know, he was definitely doing the things that we see today about, you know, your brand and your promotion and, and things like that. But, you know, you find out later Jordan had the huge gambling problem you know he had some infidelity kind of stuff or whatever going on like the social media stuff didn't really you know it would it, 
they would sponsors would be dropping like flies on that you know and i think that it's it's tough of that the maturity of athletes in general it's just they've got to grow up quicker and the thing with johnny back to him is is that he doesn't want to grow up he he's entitled and he just thinks he can do what he wants to do and you can but you know i've seen it with uh i believe and i can't i don't know the source on it but you know the captain you know derek jeter you know, when he's got some of his parties and he's had some, you know, you hear some stories coming out of that as well. But you drop your phone off, you drop your you drop your phone off at the door, you know, and yeah. then we have a good time yeah. or whatever. Like Bieber that. does that at, at clubs. Yeah. Right. And so I think, again, like if he wants to have that crazy time, like he can do it. I don't think that the organization will fault him for it. But when it keeps leaking out on social media and now you got paparazzi definitely trying to, you know, catch that because they're going to make some money and get some interest on it like that pressure is even higher now johnny can't even walk outside without you know he's doing something you know or you know you see it with lebron like why is he wearing this yankees hat you know what's with his subtweet you know who's he subtweeting unfollowed yeah unfollowed the Cavs organization man that was just a nightmare you know again i think that's an excellent question i appreciate you bringing that to me is is that you know athletes you know you know in my main prime time would be you know late 80s and 90s is you, you just didn't have that so so how sure, has, how has ahead, twitter yeah. changed watching and interacting with sports see the thing is i love twitter and that it's you can watch a game and live tweet and connect with other folks you know i do that with you guys sometimes you know and it's just fun you know um you know being able to you feel like you're a part of the game or whatever like that it's it's interesting because the crowds are still selling out but it's like i I don't know if I'd want to go to the Super Bowl, you know, just to see all the crazy stuff, you know, the halftime show, you know, because then you've got casual fans jumping into those live events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love Twitter from that side of it. Um, Facebook on the memes, because that seems to be more popular there. You know, you know, there's different niches, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Snapchat, you know, with the stories, because they'll put up special stories for the live events and stuff like that. I don't really care much about the behind the scenes, but I think it, it, it totally increases the fan experience. And I think if you can, um, you know, D Wade as a positive one, like his fashion sense on Instagram like I mean he wears some crazy stuff but I mean he if he's able to rock it and he's got a following and interest in that I think that there's a way that athletes can can do some amazing things uh Cardell Jones from Ohio State he's a hilarious follow I don't know if you guys follow him at all that dude is funny and he's always chirping yeah he's always got something to say (laughs) it's kind of funny but then I what I really liked him during the Black Lives Matter movement was is that he was still able to keep his authenticity and speak up against things that he you know he disagreed with you Mm -hmm. know and so I think when used appropriately, social media can really help with that brand of the, of the athlete. But the athlete has to be aware that <laughs> it's one tweet away. Yeah, I mean, one picture away. Take five seconds before you hit tweet send or whatever. You know, just take five more seconds and look at it. Or just if I see you, like for example, Johnny Manziel coming out of the club, or at Coachella, someone saw him, took a picture of him, tweeted it. People retweet it. Mm-hmm. I have six hundred followers. You have like mm-hmm. what? Four hundred followers. So all it takes is a click. Like yeah. that, it's it's saved. And then and the retweets, done. the retweets mm-hmm. are just the Conor it's McGregor viral, was over a yeah. hundred or almost a hundred thousand retweets in like right 40, away. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hit it and people minutes? blew it up. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous how quick mm-hmm. news can spread. And what does Johnny do? He tries to manipulate social media by setting up a hootsuite type. Oh, here I am chilling at home with my dog, like, you know, <laughs> trying not. to, you know, on the strip. <laughs> right. But then somebody else is like, well, I got you over here, buddy. You know, like, and that's yep. what probably set it off. You know, he made that happen because he, he pre-planted that tweet or picture or whatever like that, like trying to cover his tracks. And somebody probably saw it on their phone, like, that's Johnny over there. Like, click. Like, <laughs> it definitely relies on how you respond to it as well. Because I mean, you look at Yamir Yager went and had he went and hooked up with an 18, 19 year old girl, 
and she took a picture of it, put it on social media, and Yamir Yager was interviewed, and he's yeah, so what? You know, I, I do my own thing. That's my own personal life. And Julian Edelman did the same thing right after the Super Bowl. And it was all over Snapchat. And it just depends on how people react to those things being spread about them on social media. And if they react with a, a lax, you know, it's it's no big deal. It's just the way I live my life. Or Johnny Manziel, who jumps out and tries to defend it and takes a TMZ camera from a reporter. <laughs> this? And takes it, turns it into selfie mode. <laughs> right. Chris, you said you like basketball, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, your Jordan comment about the gambling. Because I watched uh, a 30 for 30 on him, too. Right. That got me thinking. Do you think if he was around... Flip LeBron and him, like, put LeBron in his era, his era. Okay. So put LeBron back in the 90s. And put Jordan in this now. era. Okay. With social media, do you think the gambling and the things like that would have been able to keep hidden? Would that have changed his legacy from a perception-wise? Because people thought he was, you didn't know what he was doing. Right. Really. You just knew what you, what you saw on TV. I, I, I That's an excellent question. I, I really think it's about... Again, does he handle it from the Michael Jordan that we know, like he's the vicious competitor? You know, do we see it kind of, you see a little bit like Kobe, you know, of, but then every now and again, Kobe will regress into more of the, uh, I don't know if it's entitled or whatever, but yeah. just, you know, kind of the LeBron way of handling social media. So if he's able to keep it at a higher level perspective, he's going to be out golfing with his buddies and they're betting, you know, 10,000 a hole or whatever, you know, um, the high stakes gambling types of things, mm -hmm. he's going to be able to keep that under wraps. If, if he's able to do that, he's able to live his life. Cause I'm sure there's athletes now, you know, like I mentioned Derek Jeter, you know, I'm sure that there's some guys that are doing that now that, that have it under wraps. You know, there's a little bit, I don't know if you've seen James Harden with some of these, uh, you know, uh, escorts, but, you know, yeah. some of that playing around, different yeah. things like that. So some of that leaks, sometimes it doesn't, but it's really no different, I think. You know, maybe the drug use or the type of drug or the, the drug of choice because of the, uh, I'm sure they smoked more weed back in the day, um, and you can't really now, but it's so, but the alcohol is still flowing, and, you know, the uh, just the, the lifestyle, I think that's part of it. You know, I think the other 30 for 30 with Iverson and uh, going broke, you know, I think that's really interesting as well. Like all of that lifestyle, like we didn't, I didn't know. Again, generationally, that was my generation. I didn't know Iverson. Like he was a baller. He was on Reebok. He was doing his stuff. Exactly. Like, I didn't know that he, you know, was coming to the games drunk. Like I knew he had a problem with authority and, you know, practice. We're talking about <laughs> practice. Like, I mean, that's the classic line that, you know, has surpassed yeah. that generation. But I didn't know that reason why he was complaining about practice because he was hung over i didn't know that till later and so you know again i think it's social media is a tool it's neutral it can be used for good and it can be used for bad I, I think that's a good synopsis i think you can segment off that too um you're talking about generation what do you think kids that are 13 and 14 right now are going to be are going to think of when they hear michael jordan in like 10 15 years you know i was just thinking about that a too. jordan crying face in my opinion that's what it's going to be <laughs> exactly you know i think it's sad in that you know and he couldn't control the crying meme but you're right that's how the effect kids of now, social media thank the god he couldn't control media. that crying meme i am right. so happy it was flooded right. <laughs> but you're right that's how kids are i was thinking about that i was like wow do people because they were talking about warriors bulls you know who's the better different things like that i'm like it's way too early but the media have been just so like hypersensitive to it of you know should they even go for 73 yes they should go for 73 is right in front of them so but back to the you know jordan bulls you know warriors thing it's really interesting in how you know you really can't compare because the rules are different and things along that line but again it's the it's too soon to tell uh how that how that's going to play out as far as legacy it's generation you always even with high school we i think of my football team thinks they're better than the other team that won mm -hmm. the, the state championship 97 team we think we're we're better than them but how can you even tell it? It's a completely different 
Mm-hmm. Just, and all these players from like the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s are saying the NBA's changed and it's it's diluted. And that's just, I don't know if it's jealousy or if it's... The well, game it's, changes every year. The game changes exactly. and it evolves. The athletes, you know, it's interesting, you know, especially with golf, the equipment, you know, that's the biggest change is like there is no way that Arnold Palmer could hit the ball 350 yards because of the equipment. They were hitting, you know, even I'm trying to think of somebody before him, but, you know, they're playing with wooden clubs. Like the, the technology has changed. You know, now with the sports back to the 13 14 year old they're getting into specialized sports so they're doing the the, whether it be basketball baseball football whatever they're doing that year round Mm -hmm. so then the practice for that or the training for that you know the the weight uh the food intake and all of that you know tom brady with his regimen um that's why he's been able to play you know he's you know avoid injury for the most part but they're taking better care of themselves you know you look again my generation for the golf and you know the killer example you guys remember is john daly you know big fat guy just smoking if he had you know get on the tiger woods training element at his prime you know, he has some demons to. Tiger to, was jacked. Yeah, in his Tiger, prime. Yeah, in his prime, he was a huge dude. I was, yeah. I saw him in Flint at a, um, you know, the Buick Open or yeah, whatever in Buick. Flint. The dude is tall and big, and a lot, all those guys are big. But yeah, Tiger was jacked, and I think that's part of it. Of that's why he was able to outdrive everybody, and that's why they're talking about trying to tiger-proof golf courses. But I think golf is the the easier example to choose from. But you know, I, I think again, it's, it's it's just too hard to compare because they the athletes of today are better athletes. Just point and simple but the competitiveness you know that's the thing where it gets into it a little bit of you know you talk about the spurs resting players like they would have a mutiny you play like that's it you know oh we're gonna rest jordan today can you imagine that phil jackson telling no that's not gonna happen yeah you know he can go to tim duncan and say we're gonna rest you i'm the star of this team i'm telling um Go ahead. Him yes. to sit when, like, Steph Curry with his bad yeah. ankle. He wanted to play. Isaiah Thomas is, is a legend because of playing on that broken ankle. He or asked whatever. three go different ahead, coaches yeah. to come in, yeah. like, to go. And he's like, no. Do you think back in the day they would have no to keep those guys out? And you lose respect from your players, exactly. your teammates from that. Isaiah, you know, that's one of the best stories with as Isaiah Thomas was playing on that bum well, same ankle. Same with Jordan. The Willis Reed story. You guys remember that, yeah. right? Go ahead. Yeah, what? Uh, same with Jordan that fever. Yeah, oh, yeah, play playing six, dropping 54, 60, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah Cleves. Mateen Cleves in the national championship. Yeah. Tons of examples. That's just part of it. Yeah, and so it's interesting now of, you know, are they worried about the next contract or – um, you know, are this with the stakes too high because I need to win? And I'm sure, you know, Steven Strasburg with this, you pitch until you can't pitch anymore. Yeah. You guys are in the play, the Washington Nationals a couple of years ago. You guys are in the playoffs. And you now pitch. Look at the NFL. Was it Matt the, Harvey uh, last year, yeah. right? Like, no, we're going to go ahead. Sorry. Look go. at the NFL now. You're talking about being tough with the concussions, the head injuries. Now they're t- telling you not, like, we don't care off. about toughness anymore. Yeah. It's, it's get out. Mm-hmm. No, that, that one's tough on the concussion because, you know, we're seeing the long term damages yeah. of that. But the it's, 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 an, it's a different. That competitive spirit, I, and that's where I agree with the more old school folks, is that you, you 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 competed, you played. I'll finish on this was, you know, the uh, before the Pistons could get through, you know, they were like it has to go through Chicago or whatever, or the not Chicago it was L A, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing on that. Like, and then the Bulls had to go through Boston before they could get to their stuff, and so. Um, with that, it's it's really about the um, uh, I forgot my train of thought, but yeah, I really appreciate the conversation. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, it was good. We have to have you on again. Yeah, absolutely. We we kind of talked about before. You know, he sees a different way, and you know, discussing generational he, gaps. Yeah, differences. Cause it, is, it is completely different. Absolutely. Like, what hat are you wearing right now, Brendan? Yeah, Montreal. Which some guy I I'm wearing a Montreal Expos hat, and I'm walking on a campus, and some this guy's got to be 70, 80 years old, working construction on the on the, the fountain. 
I like your hat. I was like, oh, please don't, <laughs> please don't engage me in conversation right now about the Montreal Expos. Because <laughs> I'll keep up for maybe like five minutes. <laughs> like, I'll have a five-minute conversation, and then I'm out. And but. it's funny, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I remember this, the hard Astro turf, and that when that yes. ball hit, it yeah. was always like a ground rule double. Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero. Vlad. Some guy was wearing a Vlad shirt at the... Uh... Didn't Clemens pitch for... Who was uh, it? Who was, the, who was the, really, the really good pitcher? He was... A... Look at Gwen in the booth. She's like, oh my God, I know this because she's a sports encyclopedia. <laughs> she claims she is. She claims so. But I mean, speaking of Gwen, we'll talk right now. To, to wrap this all up, uh, the Red Wings are currently sitting at a 3 and 1 series record against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They Their power play is atrocious. The Blackhawks are currently sitting at 3 and 1 against, uh, I don't even know who the Blackhawks are playing because they're St. Louis Blues. Blues. Because they've been playing like garbage. Apparently, Andrew Shaw's a bigot now and uh, can't can't keep his fingers away from a referee. Yeah, what a jerk! The Detroit is homophobic slur too in the the box. You know, can I if I can defend that real quick? I'm against all that. I t- I totally am. You can't be saying that type of stuff. But there is stuff like that said every minute of every hockey no, game that isn't caught on camera. I agree. He made the mistake of getting caught, and he's going to pay for it. And Q's not going to let him play. Um, the Detroit Pistons are sitting at 0-1 against Cleveland because LeBron can do whatever the hell he damn well wants. And then get other coaches fined for it, right? <laughs> when somebody calls him out for it. <laughs> 25 grand it, SPG. 25 at least it went to a charity. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, go- that's what's going on with Detroit and Chicago sports a little bit right now. We could sit here and talk all day about this. We had a whole big uh, thing lined up. Chris, it's been awesome having you on the show. Hey, great, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I've been working on some uh, outros there because I know how you guys finish the show. So. I'm so excited for this. So uh, so how are we going to do this? Are you going to? I'll lead it off as I always do. But I need you guys to I need you guys to choose on one though, so or at least throw in some. To uh, choose, so are we gonna hear so, all three of them, all or yeah, all few of them? I'll, I only have three, yeah. So three. Oh. I want to hear some of your opinions on it. So I got I got Omaha. Okay. <laughs> I got Mamba out. And then you guys have seen it if you follow me from uh, the Twitter. I uh, the tweeter. Uh, game respects game. Game respects game. I like game respects game. I Mamba can't. out's good too though. <laughs> yeah, because you're. If you're coming back again, then no to Mamba out because that's just is this final is a good fan, final But I one, love right? that. I love that one. But we don't want you to, to go off like Kobe. Yeah, don't just disappear after dropping right, sixty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then we. I can do game respects game. If how are you gonna? Treat. How would you say o- Omaha? I don't have that. Please, please say <laughs> just not, I'm gonna have to go with game. Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> I don't have the accent. I won't do that. Uh, okay. Oh my god! Are you saying in between us? So I, if I can, I'll. You know, I you got to close with deuces because that's I don't want to mess yeah. that up. So if I can sandwich you guys, that would that would be the that's way fine. to do it. Say in between. Yeah. All right, before we do that, let's just point out, next week is exam week at Western Michigan University. We are unsure whether we're going to be able to get in the booth or not. Um, the semester's coming to an end. Jared's going to be grabbing his diploma. I'm going to be moving on to my senior year. There's a whole lot going on right now. Um, just for the sake of this podcast, we really appreciate everybody that's been listening. Um, Chris has been a huge supporter of ours since day one. We had a ton of people hitting us up on Twitter. Gwen, we appreciate everything that you've done for us. We miss Sam O'Toole. Everybody, John Vandermeer in, uh, in Brown Hall has been a huge help through the School of Com. Thank you, everybody, that has made this happen. Um, we've really taken a ton of steps in the right direction. Friends and family, too. Yeah, absolutely. Not being, like, the typical, like, I want to thank my friends and family, but, like, <laughs> they probably are responsible for the majority of our shares. Absolutely. On any social media, mostly Facebook. That's what moms do. <laughs> um, and friends, too. Just yeah. because I'm like, hey, listen to this. 
I, I'll beat them, so I'll text it out to people. So again, thank you to them. I, yeah, I love you guys. You guys have done a great. It's been great to follow you guys all along, and it's just cool to see and you guys just follow your passions. And, you know, Jared, I, I hope, uh, you know, there's, there's still a career that comes out of it. I appreciate you, it. Thank you, you. you. You've been grinding really hard with the uh, – you know the uh, western the scouting preps and stuff like that and uh it's, he's a great follow if you you know i know you guys will do the, the the twitter handles and stuff like that but you know for those that are listening for the first time or the 17th time obviously uh you know make sure you, you yeah. both these guys are great followers. You give, give out your twitter name yeah i'm at, I'm at sly diggity um it's uh, s-l-i-g-h-d-i-g-g-i-t-y so uh, sly is my last name but yeah sly diggity throws a lot of shade I throw a ton of shade. Brendan, know what shade was. I, I, the other week, I'm like, I'm like, what does he mean? <laughs> Jared's like, you got to catch up with the times. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at B-B-U-F-F-A underscore W-M-U. Yeah, follow Gwen, the, the producer, so-called producer. <laughs> Gwen underscore DeYoung. And follow me, Jared underscore Orlando. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. And we're going to end this on a real high note. Go Lions! Game respects game. Deuces. You know what it is, only real recognize. You know what it is, only real recognize. You know what it is, only real recognize. I'm sitting back chilling with my old friends. Some of them been with me since kickstands. Most of them disappeared like quicksand. You don't know the kind of day that it's